Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. This camp has like um, five ponds. I fished in three of them. I didn't have a single bite. Um, but it was still fun. I got to go fishing, which I don't get to do uh, around here very much. Uh, every time uh, I, I say this, I, I know, but I just want to remind you that the things that I'm teaching in here, um, these are the things that Sharon and I strive for. Uh, they're biblical principles, practical principles, and uh, over the years, the better we have been able to do these things, uh, the better our home has been. Uh, by the grace of God, we do have a peaceful home. I'm thankful for it, uh, and I, I really... I want to help you. I, I, if you're in this class, I, I pray for you by name several times each week. I, I want uh, your marriages and your homes to rest on Christ and faith and faithfulness uh, to him. And um, there's just a lot of things it takes for that. It's not as simple as we love one another. Uh, there's some things you need to do if you're going to have a peaceful home. Uh, a lot of questions have been turned in. Uh, I've got stacks of them, you know, and as we go on, answering them as best as I can. Uh, some of the ones I want to cover today, some are from this year, some are from the past that I just thought were helpful. Uh, question number one, is it bad that you're non-confrontational and don't like to fight? Uh, I don't think that's a bad quality. Uh, I actually think it's a good quality as long as you're willing to face and discuss issues that need to be discussed. And now, if by that you mean you don't uh, address difficult subjects, uh, then that's a bad quality. Uh, I don't understand why anybody would like to fight. You know, there's people that they feel like, you know, we, we need to have some, some fights in our house to keep things interesting. You know, I don't understand that, that kind of mindset because the whole idea of having a fight is that you're doing things that displease the Lord, you're saying things that are hurtful. I mean, that's what a fight is. You know, disagreement's inevitable, but you don't have to, to fight. Uh, now, for me personally, I like to debate things. Uh, my wife does not, and most people they can't debate things without getting angry. And so, you know, you just need to decide that the most important thing is that you have peace. And we're going to talk about that uh, more uh, later. Uh, question two, how do you respond when your spouse does not accept your apology? Uh, the first thing you've got to do is be honest with yourself about your apology. Were you really sincere? Did it come from your heart? Did you express yourself as well as you're able to express yourself? And if you apologize and it was from your heart, it was sincere, as sincere as you could do it, you communicated as best as, as you, you're able to communicate it, then there's nothing you can do to make your spouse accept your apology. I mean, all you can do is control whether you apologize sincerely. I, I think all of us, we have this tendency to think that if someone didn't apologize just the way we think they should apologize, they didn't apologize. They didn't apologize. Um, if they don't accept your apology and it was sincere, you know, pray for them. 
and um, you're responsible to humbly, honestly, sincerely apologize, but you can't make it accepted. Uh, and so live with it if it's not. Uh, question number three, how do you handle conflict in front of family? Uh, public conflict is always bad. Always bad. Whenever anybody is around and we're having a disagreement, uh, our ego gets involved. You know, and no one will take correction or uh, honest feedback as well when someone else is listening as they will take it when you do, uh, when you do that in, in private. And so the first thing, how do you handle conflict in front of a family? Don't have it. J just stop. You might need to have enough willpower to say, now's not a good time to talk about this. Let's talk about it later. By family, you may mean, uh, hey, we're all, the, everybody's getting together and, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and that are around. You know, sometimes you might need to leave early. Uh, sometimes if it's a situation where this is something the whole family is, is settling, somebody in there has to be the mature person and somebody might need to just say, hey, listen, this is getting too heated for the moment. Let's take five minutes, get our thoughts together, I'll talk to the Lord about this, and come back again. Um, by the way, conflict with family, it's one of the four main areas uh, of our problems, uh, of conflict and problems in marriage. We'll probably spend a whole week on that later on. Question four, should the wise counsel my spouse looks to be a family member? Uh, you, you, you may remember one of the things we talked about is that uh, each person should have somebody that your spouse has agreed it's okay that you share and talk to uh, about private things. And so really the root of the question is should that person or can that person be family? Uh, that's a personal preference issue. Um, if you have a family member that your spouse feels confident that you can, they can share private information and they'll get godly feedback. For me personally, I would rather have my private information in the hands of a family member than somebody else, for me personally. But most of the time, probably nine times out of ten, the person your spouse is going to trust with your, uh, with your private information and conflicts is not going to be a family member. It just needs to be somebody you're going to get godly counsel from. Now, uh, for Sharon and I, uh, we love our parents. Uh, we're thankful for them. But, but neither one of us really had parents we could go to and, and, and get godly counsel from. You know, we love them. We respect them. But that, that's not a role they, they were able to fill in our lives personally. Uh, question number five, is it okay to have the feeling of just wanting to hang out alone. Um, uh, first off, let me just say, this is an old question, and, and I, I put it in again because I, I think everybody at times has have feelings that are not healthy. And whoever, whenever this was put in, uh, if it was you or, or, or not, it is a very good thing for someone just to simply step back and say, do you know what? Not all my feelings are healthy feelings. 
I mean, that, 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 that is just a great, simple observation uh, to make. And, and so, at least this person is thinking about this, while I have all this desire to hang out alone, is that a, is that a healthy feeling or not? Uh, as far as answering a question, uh, I personally think that when it comes to uh, a marriage relationship, I actually think it's good for you to have some part of your life that's your life still. You know, that you do some things in life without your spouse. I actually think that makes you more interesting. I think it gives you some things to talk about. Uh, now, on the other hand, I think that at times it's taken too far. Uh, because once you make a marital commitment, the most important relationship in your life is you and your spouse. And so if you mean by that question... You know, uh, should I have some life of my own and spend some time that's just me? Uh, I think the answer to that is yes. If you mean by that, you're not going to adequately spend time with your spouse or adequately be committed or take time with your children or to be a responsible husband or wife or homeowner or parent, then I think that's an unhealthy feeling. And... Um, I really, I would recommend um, that you do everything you can to make your alone time, um, times when your spouse is sleeping or not around. You know, I, I, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to come home from work, talk to your family for 30 minutes, then go lock yourself upstairs? You, you know, I, I think that that's why you get up early, you know? Um, that so many things in our life would be better if we just used our time better. Uh, question number six, how can we move past a big fight? Um, we have been talking about this now. Th today will be the third and final week about fair fighting or, or how to disagree without hurting you know, our, our spouse. Uh, and, and if people follow these things, you would never have a big fight. But I do get it that at times, um, people don't follow these things, and you are going to have a, a big fight, even though I don't think that you that needs to ever happen. But if it does happen, uh, the first thing you need to do is you need to confess your sins to the Lord. You need to take responsibility before God for whatever part of happened that, that's your fault. By the way, remember, taking responsibility is not, well, they did this, therefore I was mad. That's not taking responsibility for, for your part. Listen, if you got angry, they didn't cause it. You allowed it. You are in control of you. And whenever you give control of you to anybody but Christ, that's never headed anywhere good. So you first you take responsibility to God for your part in this, and then you go to your spouse at a good time and in a good tone, and you sincerely take responsibility for your part of it with them not expecting them to take responsibility for their part. You say they should take responsibility for their part. You're right. You're right, they should. But you can't control whether they take responsibility for their part. All you can do is control yourself, and so you take responsibility before God, you take responsibility before your spouse, because when you do those two things, you have now put your spouse in the best possible position to take responsibility for their part. They might or they might not, 
But that's, a how, that's, how, that's how you move on. A- anytime there's one person doing what's right and praying, it always makes a difference. Um, and then you know, just do the things as a couple that help uh, reassure your commitment. Uh, question number seven. Uh, I talk about ideas out loud and my spouse takes them as facts causing conflict, do I stop thinking? I, I, I actually did chuckle a little bit when I got this question. I know it was a serious question, but, but here, here's my answer. You should keep thinking, but learn when to stop talking. Um, thinking something and talking about it, those are two different things. Uh, by the way, that book that I recommended for um, this class, I think, gives some bad advice in, in this particular area. But, um, you know, it's not the Bible. I didn't give it to you because everything in it is consistent with the Scripture. I gave it to you because it's just a good book about the subject. Uh, it is selfish thinking to think that you should say whatever's on your mind and your words don't matter. Listen, I do, I agree. It is nice to share ideas and dreams with our spouse, but you know what? Let's just be honest. All of us have dreams and ideas that go through our head that are not helpful, and they should just stay between us and the Lord. Now listen, God can take and deal with and work with us through all kinds of things that go on in our heart and mind. Most people can't take that, and so you need to learn to talk to the Lord about uh, them uh, if your spouse is not ready to hear about them. Um, so today, uh, this will be our final uh, lesson on fair fighting. Um, this is our third week on it. Uh, Lord willing, we probably uh, next week will start talking about how to handle our finances, how to handle our money uh, together. Uh, remember, disagreements are inevitable. Uh, I don't care how much you love each other. I don't care how much you agree on most things. You are going to disagree. You are two different people. You have two different perspectives. And if you agreed on everything in every situation, one of you would be unnecessary. Um, (laughs) We think much better together as a couple. And and that's why God made us different, because we're stronger together than we are uh, apart. And so we're just talking about how to handle the inevitable disagreements of life. Uh, you should be in your Bible and in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Uh, this is one of the, the great Bible recipes. I, I actually preached on this a couple of years ago on a Sunday, Sunday night. Notice the finished product uh, of this in um, verse 10. He that will love life and see good days. That finished product is something all of us want. We want to love life and we want to see good days. And that is not going to happen by accident. A lot of things in life and a lot of things in the Word of God, they're, they're recipes. 
And that's the finished product. And did you notice the six parts of the recipe to loving life and seeing good days? Uh, the first two parts are our words. Uh, it says, he that will love life and, and see good days. Uh, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Uh, you need to stop talking things that are destructive or deceptive. Uh, the word evil is used three different ways in the Bible. In this particular context, it's talking about uh, things that are purposefully wrong, things that are tragic uh, and big, that don't use your tongue that way, and no guile, guile's trickery or deception. If you want to love life and see good days, you have to handle your words like that. And the last part of the recipe has to do with how we look at peace. Uh, verse 11, let him eschew evil and do good. Notice the last two things. Let him seek peace and ensue it. And ensue is just another word. It's like pursue, just an old English word. How we think about peace. We need to be seeking peace. Uh, how in a situation do I find peace? How do I make peace in this situation? You know, sometimes we will say, you know what, if I want peace in this situation, I need to apologize. Uh, if I want peace in this situation, I need to keep my mouth shut. Seek peace, but not just seek it. It says, and then ensue it, pursue it. Once you find the answer, okay, this is how peace will come in this situation, then we've got to actually pursue doing that. Listen, all of us understand that, you know what, if I did this, the situation would be better, and then we just refuse to do that. But if you and I want to love life and seek uh, love life and have good days, we need to do these things. We need to handle peace. And that's what we've been talking about now uh, for this in the third week. Peaceful solutions to the inevitable disagreements in our home. Listen, one of the greatest things you'll ever give your children is not a four-bedroom house instead of a three. It's a peaceful home. To have a mom and a dad who peacefully coexist, peacefully get along, who peacefully work through their inevitable disagreements. You give your children security by doing that. And if both spouses are seeking peace and pursuing it, you will never come anywhere close to having a bad fight. But even one of you doing it will help. And so that's what we've been talking about, ways to improve the way we handle our disagreements. We talked about being careful how we talk when we disagree. We talked about handling conflict privately as much as possible. We talked about not staying angry for very long. And here's the fourth thing, going to Ephesians chapter 5. How can I seek peace and ensue it? Here's number four. How, how can we fight fairly? How can we disagree and not hurt someone? Here's number four. Follow the order God established in the home when you can't agree. We spent a couple of weeks talking about the order God established in the home. Verse 22 of Ephesians 5. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
Somebody at one point turned in the question, how do you resolve a conflict when both spouses cannot agree on a solution? Remember the authority God established in the home. A husband is supposed to provide loving leadership. Now, this is particularly helpful when you get in a situation where you've talked about it, you've just both expressed yourself and can't come to an agreement. Follow the leadership God established in your home. Uh, by the way, I know in a lot of homes, um, a lot, some, whatever word you want to pick, uh, the husband doesn't provide spiritual leadership. And what I would say to you, ladies, if you're in one of those situations, you step up, provide spiritual leadership. Somebody needs to. And I would just say, if you are a lady and you've stepped up and you're providing spiritual leadership, just be willing to step back if your husband ever decides to step up. By the way, uh, brother, God didn't put you in charge to do what you want to do. God put you in charge to do what he wants to do. And when you are using your authority for something other than what God wants done, you're misusing your authority. Uh, ladies, if you strongly feel like your husband is not doing what God wants and you've talked about it, you should already have a godly counsel you've agreed on that you can go to. That's why we have that. Listen, if your husband wants something that defies the God who gave him authority, follow God. Listen, I've known of husbands tell their wives you can't go to church. Follow God. He has no authority to tell you to rob a bank, stay away from church, bring illegal drugs into your home. He has no authority to do that. Now, in practical terms, that almost never happens. Really, most often what happens is we just disagree about situations, about where the Bible is silent, and we just want to do what we want to do. Remember, God is the ultimate authority. And literally, the only reason a husband has authority in the home is God established it that way. Now, this particular principle will settle most of our major issues when you cannot agree, uh, agree after discussing them. And by the way, I strongly recommend every wife clearly make known your view if you have a strong view. Clearly make it known. By the way, if God has spoken about an issue, it's really already settled. But if God has been silent, and there are some areas of life where that's the case, you know, God has given us a way to settle these things too, and then just do the best you can to follow your husband's leadership with a good attitude. Somebody turned in the question, how do you love and follow your husband when he isn't making godly decisions? Uh, by the way, how you love him and how you follow him are two different things. Uh, you should love him with God's love. We don't get God's love because we deserve it. We get God's love because God chose to give it to us. And so you still love him. But you should not follow your husband's leadership if he's telling you to do something ungodly. That's a defiance of God. If you've been around here any length of time, you've heard me publicly say, and I'll say it again right now, if I'm ever doing anything that defies this book or the God who inspired and preserved this book, don't you follow my leadership. You follow this book. You follow God. 
Now be careful you don't make some of your own personal preferences uh, commandments of God uh, in your pride. And, and by the way, uh, if you have these situations and uh, a wife is looking for God's will and a husband is looking for God's will, you, neither one of you will have any problem going to get some godly counsel. Come see me in my office. It ought to be a red flag in your life when you say, you know what, no, nah, I don't want to get any outside help. Immediately you ought to know something is wrong. Uh, which gets us to number five. How do, uh, how, how do I fight fairly? How do I bring peace? How do I uh, disagree without hurting my spouse? Number five, never decide to have more children to solve a conflict. And by the way, I've known people to do that. Uh, adding children to a relationship generally makes what is already there more. Uh, it's like the lottery. When someone wins the lottery, it, it doesn't suddenly make them financially responsible. It magnifies either their irresponsibility that they had before or their responsibility that they had before. When you have children, it is generally going to magnify what you had before. And if what you had before was a little shaking, a little bit on, on the rocks, having children is going to make it shakier and more on the rocks. If you, generally speaking, prior to children, had a good relationship and were just working through the things of life, children will magnify that. And listen, children are a great blessing. But l listen to me, they will give you way more reasons than you had before to have conflict. They magnify what's there. Listen, you will increase your love as a couple when you have children if you basically loved each other before. Or they will basically increase the conflict that you had if you were characterized by that before. Um... Proverbs chapter 24. And I've got about 15 minutes left, and what I want to do is I want to spend them just kind of talking to you, uh, more like we were just sitting in my office uh, across a desk from one another. We've done this a couple of, of times uh, in here. It's just some... Just some practical things, uh, you know, when you and your spouse disagree. Proverbs 24, 6, and you might think this is a little funny, but it says, uh, For by wise counsel thou shalt make war, and in the multitude of counselors there is a safety. Uh, by the way, uh, before you decide to have a fight, <laughs> before you make war uh, in, in your home, you ought to get some wise counsel. Uh, and that's what I want to do. I, I just want to give you some practical things. Uh, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Here's the first one. You and your spouse do not have to talk about everything. Uh, in fact, what I would say to you, and I've mentioned this before in here, there are some things you should not talk about. Uh, that book I passed out, and if you didn't get one, see me after class, uh, we'll get you one. It's from the church. It's free for you. I want to help you. But in that book, it just basically tells you to talk about everything. I personally believe that is very bad advice. In fact, I think it's unbiblical advice because biblically speaking, we all know that there are some things that go through our mind and go through our heart that have no business coming out of our mouth. 
I mean, imagine how hurt you would be, uh, sister, if your husband mentioned to you every time he had a stray lustful thought. I mean, brother, uh, imagine how hurt and devastated you would be if your wife expressed you every time she had a doubt about your leadership. We can't take it. God can take it, but we can't. And, and so there's a real spiritual battle going in, on in all of us to commit what's in our heart and mind to the Lord and control what comes out of our mouth. Uh, I believe there are some things you shouldn't talk to your spouse about. I mean, for instance, um, Sharon will know what, if I counsel some couple, she will know I talk to them. I never talk to her about what we talk about. That's my burden to bear. I don't go home at the end of the day and share all the problems going on in the, in the church with her, that's my burden to bear. She, a, a lot of times, she literally has no idea what's going on that I'm dealing with because that's my load to carry, not hers. I'm the pastor here. She's the pastor's wife. Uh, on the other hand, there are some things that you should never keep from your spouse. There are some burdens and difficulties in life that God intended us to uh, share together. There should be nothing that affects her that I'm ever hiding from her. Nothing. If it affects our home, if it affects me being disobedient to God personally in some way, I have no business keeping that from her. Before you talk about something, ask yourself a couple questions. Will talking about this help my spouse? Will talking about this solve anything? Is solving this worth the pain of confronting it? You know, there are some issues, they're like this, but confronting the issue is like this. And it's not worth confronting. Just be honest before you talk about it. Would it please the Lord more to keep this to myself or talk about it? Does my spouse need to know this? Listen, if they need to know it, no matter how difficult it is to talk about, you need to talk to them about it. They need to know it. But you don't have to talk about everything. Here's the second piece of practical advice. You do not have to agree about everything. You know, there are some things you can just leave uh, unsettled and each of you handle your own way. Uh, when we were raising our children, uh, I did not need to agree on every detail of how she handled them when I wasn't there. I needed to trust her. I needed to trust that uh, God wanted to add something to my children through her that he wasn't going to add through me. And you know what? When I came home, and when I came home, I handled uh, the kids. She didn't have to agree with every detail about how I handled them. Uh, she needed to trust me. And to trust that God wanted to add something to our children through me that she was not going to be able to add. Sometimes it's okay to disagree and just move on. Listen, when a husband wants to use his authority to honor God, 
He will not mind getting godly counsel whenever you disagree. And when a wife is trying to honor God with her viewpoint, she won't mind getting counsel together. Are you looking for the Lord's will? Here's number three, just some practical things. You don't have to settle every issue right away. I've known a couples, they don't even have kids yet, and they're already fighting over how they're going to educate them. I didn't say you don't talk about it, but you know what? You can just talk about it and just say, you know what? We don't have to settle this now. Now, there is going to come a time when you're going to have to settle it. But you don't have to settle everything right right away. You know, listen, you can wait. Um, her and I were raised very differently. We have very different dispositions. My wife's disposition was, even as a child, if her parent, like, looked at her or even raised their voice, she was just humbly weeping. Uh, th- that's her disposition. My disposition, uh, I-, I mean, from childhood, I mean, until you hit me three or four times, I mean, I wasn't even paying attention to what you were saying to me. And, and, and so, b- b- because our, our personality is so different and the way we were raised was so different, we had a lot of disagreements when our children were, were young uh, over how to handle our children. Listen, we didn't have to settle all of those when our oldest son was a toddler. Uh, we had to settle the ones that we needed to settle at that time. Number four, don't expect to settle everything just like other couples settle their disagreements. I, I wish we could all get this in. There are Bible principles that are unchangeable. But understand that everybody brings different gifts different backgrounds, different personalities into your marital relationship. I've told you before, our general disposition is my wife would rather settle things by not talking about them and letting them go. I would rather settle things by talking about them and hashing it out. Uh, And so a lot of times, unless it's something that needs to be settled, because I want it settled more than I want to settle it my way, we just let it go because it works for her. And I want peace. And by the way, either way really is a fine way to settle it. The only thing that needs to matter is that it's settled. And so for some of you, because in your home, the wife is the one who wants to talk about everything and settle it, and the husband is the one who doesn't want to talk about things. You know, you need to apply these Bible principles, but you need to apply them your way. No, you can't settle everything and handle your life completely like we do. There are Bible principles that are unchangeable, and you need to just make sure that you settle things God's way for you as a couple, even though it's not necessarily exactly like someone else does it. There are biblical boundaries. And lastly, and you've heard me say this several times, don't expect your spouse to be another one of you resolving conflicts. Both of you bring something to the situation. Seek peace. And when you find the way to bring peace, pursue it. Because that's part of the recipe to loving life and seeing good days.
Next week, uh, Lord willing anyway, we'll start talking about how to handle our money together as a couple. There have been all kinds of questions uh, turned in about that. You should have a little uh, square of paper, write some kind of a, uh, a question or comment or a smiley face or something and just everybody turn one in and just stick it in that jar uh, up there and then God bless you, you're dismissed. <laughs>